following program is being brought to you on the seventh wave network for more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit seventhwavenetwork.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management for the wonderful james maynard who is still recovering from retinal surgery although he will be on the show with us today And he'll be back in full force as the co-host next week. Today our topic is your home, haven or hell, and what you can do about it. And I am so excited about this topic, I just have to say, because we are selling our home that I thought I would never leave. And we found another one that I'm just in love with. And I can't wait to find how to make it more of a haven. So this is such perfect timing. (laughs) And whether you have made a perfect nest for yourself with all your decorating and, and now you're alone and you feel lonely or whether you, your house is filled with family or a roommate, how does it actually feel? Are you lonely? Is it chaotic? Is it clean and <sighs> sterile, you know, even though you thought it would look fabulous or is it a mess and you cannot stand it? Do you dread coming home? Or this is something I've really experienced a lot, is dread having him come home. <laughs> him. Whoever him, him is. come or, home. Or her. Or her come home. Exactly. Are there resentments that are unspoken? Are there just lifestyle differences? Anyway, we've all probably had many, many of these different scenarios. You know, do you have a negative partner? Are you self-centered? Are they self-centered? Are they slobs? Whatever it is, let's talk about that today. Let's get real and take an honest look at it and see what we can do to make our homes a sanctuary that really nurtures us. Take it away, Beth. Uh, and where would you like me to take that, Helen? I don't know. I'm sure you <laughs> have some at- brilliant, uh, brilliant words of wisdom about whether a home is <laughs> haven or hell and what but makes it, it so. It was very funny that when you said take it away, I was thinking, and where should I take it or where should I put it? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I'm very happy that we're going to be talking about this today. And I think there are so many levels of this question that... Um, that have to be dealt with. So I don't even know how far we can get in one show. I, I did a video a couple of months ago called um, Creating Sanctuary or How to Create Sanctuary. It's on YouTube. And it's with Beth Green and the Guru. Those of you who have listened to the show where the Guru is on have heard that. And the Guru was talking about what a sanctuary really is. And a sanctuary is a place where you feel comfortable with yourself and you're not full of self-loathing, is how I would summarize that. And so whether our home is a haven or a hell, first of all, it depends on how we feel about ourselves. And so I cannot emphasize that enough because we can do everything that we think of to make the house perfect, uh, to make it as clean as my mother's house used to be or st- and still is at the age of nearly 100. Or you, it's perfectly decorated as Helen's house would be. <laughs> um, regard- 
regardless of all of these things that we do, we're never going to feel like we're in our haven if we bring home with us negative self-talk. You know, that makes our home's hell right there. But there's also the, uh, the, the hellishness of trying to go home and feel nurtured and loved and this is the place where we're going to relax and have sanctuary and we're in a knit, 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 knit relationship with somebody. Now, we can have roommates and then the knit knitting may not be as intense because it's like, oh God, it's just a roommate or, or the relationship is so superficial that we don't argue or we don't see them. That, that's another good thing. But the truth is that relationships in and of themselves always carry stress with them, even if we think that we're the perfect people and that we live with perfect partners. I have yet to see that when people are being honest, but it, there it is. So then there's all those relationship issues and how do we deal with them that will determine whether or not our home is haven or hell. But when I thought about this topic and I have a feeling that Madame Mazurka is going to want to um, express herself on the show. I was going to say push her way in, but um, I just have that feeling that she's around us and she might want to say something, probably because the guru was in the video. And by the way, you can still watch that video if you go to YouTube. Go to How to Create Sanctuary of Beth Green and the Guru, and you'll find it. And it's a fun video, and it, it teaches us a lot, actually. But... What what really determines whether or not home is haven or hell is a three-letter word. Ego. For example, if I go home and all I can see is what I have not done, the things that haven't been put away, uh, the dishes that are not, uh, you know, in order or anything else that disturbs my sense of who I should be in my home or what it should look like, it, my ego is going to beat me up big time. Now, I'm not saying that it's good to live like a slob. I don't mean that. There, are, there is a lot to be said for order and harmony, and we're going to talk about that because that's energetic. See, that's energetic harmony. But that's different from the ego, which says, how would I look to myself or to other people if some uh, somebody knocked on my door asking for a bowl of stevia because we don't eat sugar. And how would I look to them? So the ego is definitely at work. And another way that the ego can attack us is if we have created a sanctuary for ourselves and we love the place, but our egos are telling us that we have no value because we don't have a partner, then even though we're at home listening to music, uh, you know, doing candles, uh, meditating and doing yoga, there is this uncomfortable self-attack that's going on in the background. Like, you are a failure because you don't have a man or a woman or you haven't had children yet and you're 37 years old or whatever it is uh, that we think we need to have in order to look like we are the right people, the people that we're supposed to be. And ego is way up there when it comes to relationships. Oh, my God. Who, ego, ego, on the wall, who is the most self-centered asshole of them all? And how many of us have definite ideas about what our homes are supposed to be like, what our relationships are supposed to be like, 
what our partners are supposed to be and do. And when that does not go according to our ego's way, oh my God, we're just appalled and we're upset and we're just traumatized. And I have seen unbelievable amount of trauma caused by absolutely nothing because things are not going according to the way we think they should go to prove that other people value us. And see, there's how the ego comes in there again, because it's not always even the way we want, but it has to do with proving that we're valuable. And people show that we're valuable. It's like the woman who said, my husband never gives me a Valentine's Day uh, gift. Well, does she really need that? Or is it no? It's that she doesn't feel like she's being honored as a woman if her husband doesn't give her, because that's some idea she has in her head. There's ego again. Each one of us fighting for ourselves, wanting things to make us feel good and look good, and not knowing how to deal with the ego of the other person. And hey, let me tell you, dealing with someone else's ego is a nightmare. You know, they want us to make them feel a certain way about themselves. So you can't tell somebody the truth about themselves if it's going to upset their feelings because their egos are going to feel suicidal if you tell them the truth. So how are you ever going to work anything out? So I am just giving you a few examples of how the ego can come in or I'm a self-centered asshole and I don't feel like I have to do anything. So I float into my house, don't feel that I have to keep it clean or do anything and wish that my mother would come over and do my laundry. So there you have it. I've kind of skimmed the surface of the issue of how ego determines whether our homes are a heaven or hell. And the bickering, so many of us have heard bickering as children between our parents. And that bickering made home hell. And I don't blame our parents for bickering. I am a primal bickerer myself. I have felt absolutely embarrassed by my behavior and my arguing with my partner. And I thought, thank God, I don't have a child who's going to hear this, that they have to be traumatized by this nonsense that what are we, what are we really, really arguing about and how are we going to overcome it? It's bad enough to have your dog looking at you baffled and hurt because there's yelling and screaming and hellish energy in the house. And oh, by the way, the bickerers aren't always the worst. There's the silent seethers mm, who are equally bad, if not worse, because then you don't even know that you're under attack. At least if someone's yelling at you, you know where the attack is coming from and you can say, oh, my goodness, they're attacking me. But the silent Either the one who holds the secret resentments, oh my God, you're living with them in your haven and you can feel it all over you. Ooh. Ooh is right. So what I'd like to do before we try to find solutions is to look at our own behavior and ask ourselves, what is the most hellish situation I've ever had for a home? And what did my ego have to do with it? And I'll tell you something, too. Sometimes children are embarrassed by their parents. 
And that makes their home hell too because they think their parents should be different from who they are because they don't look as good as the other parents. So, hey, that might apply to you. I but can definitely share my worst. Your, your worst. Okay, tell us your By the way, I forgot to mention that we had a delightful phone call uh, last week from a woman, in, a listener in Canada who um, I won't mention her name because she did say something very personal in her message. She said that she was going off the rails. And we were talking last week about um, what were we talking about? Okay. Uh, dealing with loss and... and uh, Turning loss deal, into gain. Uh, yes. Dealing entitlement. Yes, and all the pretending that we do. And yes, and looking at how we don't really lose things sometimes because we never had them to start with or uh, we're not really entitled to them. Or where do we get that idea? Well, she called and she said that she was going off the rails and listening to our show helped bring her back. And, you know, we are very grateful for that message we have gotten a lot of messages from our listeners that even though they don't call in on the show that they're out there that they're listening and they're being helped and that's really a great thing so thank you helen well my worst living situation was one of my several husbands (laughs) one that you will remember well one that my sister used to call the terrorist. And, oh, my God, he was just hell to live I, with. I don't, I don't know which of your husbands who was a terrorist. I, I know, Bill. Like okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean. could have been one of the others, you know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, I, I've had a little trouble getting the right guy. Anyway, yeah, it was horrible. I, I really dreaded him coming home. And I didn't know what to do with him whatsoever. And my ego came into play because I wanted a father for my child and uh, didn't didn't want to look like my mother had looked, I guess, having, you know, gotten divorced in my childhood. And so I held on way more than I mean, I never should have married him in the first place. Mm. So, I mean, that's how I can see my ego playing into it. That's a very, very important point. So let's delve into that a little bit because I bet you that we have listeners out there today and in the coming weeks as you listen to these podcasts. And don't, don't hesitate to share these shows with your friends uh, if you think that it might help them. So how exactly did your ego play into your staying in a relationship where there really was a lot of abuse? Well, I didn't want to look bad, I guess. And I didn't want to acknowledge the abuse. And I didn't want to stand up and say, go to hell. Well, is it because you didn't want to look like the kind of woman who would have married an asshole? Yeah, absolutely. Well, If I admitted I- what an asshole he was, it would be pretty hard to stay. now when we say that he's an asshole of course every human being has some value Um, but that what we're really referring to when we say I am a self-centered asshole is that we are hurtful to one another and he he was acting out his pain towards you and not 
feeling that he had to take responsibility for his acting out. See, and that is what distinguished the self-centered, centered uh, jerk, who, which we are, the, and the true self-centered asshole, which we hope we're not, uh, which is that when we acknowledge how we are behaving in a relationship and the hurt that we're causing and we do something about it, that's a great thing and that's part of growth and that's we all need that. But when the person just feels entitled to keep being abusive, that's at the point where you have to really say, uh, no, this is not working. And if you've had too many marriages or too many men or you think of yourself as a slut or or, and and you can feel that way even, or that you've been exploited. You want to admit to your friends that this woman married you because she wanted your money or whatever it is. All of those things together, you see, make us afraid to acknowledge that perhaps this is not the right relationship and that neither of you nor the other person is growing through that relationship. So that's a, a wonderful example. We you know, have, I, yes. Go well, ahead. I just wanted to say one other thing that I think his pain was palpable yes he had a horrible violent childhood and you know just awful yeah and i think another part of my ego was you know i'm a therapist i can love him just right i can help him through this and he'll be forever grateful and then we'll be happy and blah 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 i think that's definitely been part of my ego in a number of relationships perfect a a very another very a good example that so many of us can relate to that we have a relationship that's already painful and hellish and can't be worked through because we have tried and and yet we won't let go because we are the savior it doesn't fit with our self-image i think those are very important so we have a caller but we're going to be going to commercial break in a minute less than a minute really so i'd like each one of you to be thinking about this question about yourselves and uh, when did you realize that the situation that you were in was hell and why didn't you get out of it and that could also be living alone so with no further ado I'd like to go to commercial break and uh, stay with us we're on Inside Out The Voice America 7th Wave Channel Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back. Well, we're having a preliminary discussion of home haven or hell, what, how we make it hell, what to do about it, why we don't get out of it when it is hell. And uh, before we go any further, we have two people to introduce. One, we have a caller, Christine from Bonzel. Hi, Christine. Welcome to Inside Out. Hello. Thank you. And the other one is Madame Mazurka, who is jumping up and down on my head. Now, <laughs> for those of you who do not know Madame Mazurka, she is one of my uh, personas, alter egos, I don't know what. But she comes in sometimes, and she would like to speak. And so, darlings, it's wonderful to be here. It's been so long that I haven't been on the show. So, I love it, because I know Christine loves me. So <laughs> I do, Madame Mazurka. <laughs> so, so, I'm here to, to put in my two cents. So, Madame Mazurka, do you have something to say before we go on? No, darlings, go on, go on, you'll see. It's, it will all work out in the end. Okay, uh, Christine, what do you have to say for yourself? So, to answer the question, I feel like I've had a few hellish situations, at least in my perspective. Uh, living situations, but what popped up into my head was when we moved into a new house when I was seven. Mm. And um, the new house, it was a brand new house, um, and um, I think, you know, my parents kind of stretched to buy this house, so they didn't have a lot of money to put into it at first, um, and they were very focused on landscaping versus furnishing. Um, and what I really noticed is the difference between our furniture and other people's furniture. Mm. And that our furniture wasn't as nice. And to compound that, my mom is Japanese and kind of had some, has a Japan, I think, a Japanese sensibility. I don't know what. I don't know if <laughs> even her taste would be seen as uh, normal in Japan. Um, but I just remember <laughs> this one, like, cabinet thing and thinking, oh, my God, that's so tacky. And I'm only seven, but I was very, very aware of it. And at the time, I formed this impression or this idea that we were poor. Mm. Even though my parents had just purchased a 2,400-square-foot house in suburban San Diego with a half an acre of Mm. land, and, you know, it was a very good neighborhood. Um, But I just think that I was so conscious of how we looked um, to my friends, neighbors, etc., and I think I never really got over um, like how my mom decorates and how they make me look, basically. Yes, that's wonderful, darling. I think you have a question for Madame Mazurka. By the way, for those who don't know her, Madame Mazurka is uh, dead and Transylvanian, so there you go. Uh, Yes, so darling, so what is your question for Madame Azorka? Uh, um, it relates to this topic. You're already on the right track. Well, I was just wondering if that is, in, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it has though, impacted my choices in homes moving forward. 
Well, what is it that you don't want people to, to know about you and your family, even though it's so obvious? That we are not like everybody else. And we're, well, we're poorer, or at least I thought we were. Um, we, we, we definitely didn't spend as much money on furniture. Um, that we are, obviously, we're multiracial. Yes, it has. It's not the multi that bothers you. It's the it's, one of the multi. It's the Japanese part. This is correct. Yes. So, so uh, everything that has to do with uh, anything that has to do with your mother is already blown up to the nth degree because everything about your mother is jeopardizing your survival in society. Totally. So is you see. So so this is like it's your mother's taste or it's your mother's way or it's this or that. And so this is everything is symbolic of the toxicity that your uh, your non-white mother would bring and you are going to also see something else extremely important right now. So what is the uh, the date that you were born? The I don't mean the day, the year. The year 1970. This is 1970. So the war with the Japanese was over many years when you were born. This yes. is correct. That was, uh, for those of you who don't know, of course, it's 1945. But what was happening in 1970? Civil rights. A lot Vietnam. of racism. Vietnam. Vietnam. Oh, yeah, Vietnam. <laughs> Boy, they can't, I yes. mean, and who can tell the difference between someone who's Vietnamese and Japanese? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, all yellow people are yellow. Exactly. Even if they're red or green. <laughs> so this is, and so what happened in 1970? I bet that James remembers. What happened? What was the big shock of 1970? Well, of course, there was the Kent State uh, killings of exactly. college students. Exactly. By, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now let's put. A, B, and C together. So, of course, you're just born. You think you don't know what's going on. But what would happen? What do you think would happen to anyone who identifies as, because your mother was not of ethnic descent, she was actually Japanese. So, and your mother was not only Japanese, she was, uh, what was she? Okay. She was. Okay, so she was a minority in, she was a Japanese minority or a minority within Japan. Yes. So there is, so what is, you think, what energy do you think runs through the people who are the ethnic uh, uh, minorities? Is the paranoia, it's the fear, exactly. So you have the fear. And, you know, people always go, scapegoat the victim. So now we have these nice white children who are killed by, or what was it, the National Guard or these bad people, or it was, you know, the armed people, and they were killed. But why were they killed? Because of those Vietnamese. So now this is not rational, but what is? When did people become rational? So you've got this, uh, this fear that comes through, oh, my God. Last time there was big trouble because of the uh, Japanese people or of the Asian people. We were all put in camps. Mm-hmm. So you see there is fear. Your mother is probably even conscious at that time of that fear that she was having. You are in sitting in the womb and you're coming out and you're saying, Oh, goody, goody, I'm Japanese. Everybody is going to love me. <laughs> 
So, you know, you are the killer of the white uh, students. You're the cause. You're the problem. And so what were you always trying to prove? That you weren't uh, Japanese, that you were white. I'm not Japanese, I'm white. Yes, and this is the story of your life. If you Mm -hmm. really look at everything, so much of what you have done is, um, and of is uh, has been to prove that you are white, even if you don't know it. So that's what I have to say. So now look at the. Uh, so your home was a haven of that your mother was putting her heart and soul into making it beautiful for you and for your family. But you felt instead the fear because you see it's just the energy that creates the haven, mm-hmm. not the dishes. Mm-hmm. And so if the energy is fearful, even if she's unconscious of that, you know, that she is bringing into the world uh, a yellow child. So, um, you know, her fear for you, her fear for herself, that fear, you see, is what you experience. And fear makes heaven into hell. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's very helpful, Madam Mazurka. That is. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Anytime. Okay. Thank you, Christine, for that call. So, Helen, what has this brought up for you? Hmm. So, there is something, uh, there must be some connection because I'm feeling it. So, what is it... um, so you've talked about one aspect of what makes your hellish situation is being in an abusive relationship and staying with it uh, way past the time that you should have it because you're embarrassed or you don't want to admit that you've made yet another mistake, right? But right. there's some, something that just came up with Christine. I can't tell you what it is, but I sense it. Uh, well, I just, you know, the only thought that I immediately had was that yes. that husband was Hispanic and Native American and Italian, mm-hmm. and that I was also trying to prove my lack of prejudice. That's correct. And why would you want to do that? You know, it's funny, I've always felt that way, like there was some badge that I would get for not being prejudiced. And I, we, we talked about this many years ago at a workshop about my ancestors, you know, 170 years ago or something, being slave owners in the South. Mm, I didn't remember this, of course. My parents were very liberal university professors mm-hmm. and were very liberal and were not prejudiced, but that energy must have come down somehow you know the okay. shame of it the guilt of it uh, I don't think that's the reason okay James what is the most hellish situation home situation you've been in well for me it was uh, growing up uh, in a family where we had moved to the suburbs Got a three-bedroom brick house, had every wonderful new convenience that these brand-new homes could provide, and we thought we were going to have the good life. And instead, 
there was so much bickering and arguing between my mother and father. And as the years went on, uh, she became more and more of a rageaholic that my only refuge really was to go out of the house and go play with the other kids mm-hmm. uh, because it was hellish inside and I had to flee to get out to a, a safer environment to get away. And then uh, I discovered over the years that I, I, even after I, even as I lived in one beautiful environment after another, I lived on Orcas Island, Washington, I lived in all sorts of wonderful places. I lived up in the Rocky Mountains, etc. I carried my inner hell with me. Yes. Even whether I was alone or whether I was with others, I still wasn't happy. I still felt a kind of a low-grade depression, etc. And I've learned over the years that I've had to do a lot of work on myself to really get into that uh, peaceful, harmonious kind of state of being in my home. You know, this is that's very good. Did you have something to say, Helen? I, I know what it is. What? Because I had had abortions before. Yes, yes. And when I got pregnant, I felt like I deserved to be in hell. Yes. Wow, that's so bizarre. Whew. Did everybody grasp that? They, people might not have... Our listeners may not have grasped that. Go ahead and just explain that a little bit more because you got it now. Well, you know, it's so weird. I don't know if it had something to do with James sharing or if it was just the energy was cleared. I don't know. But I just all of a sudden came to me that because I had had... Well, it's what James said about carrying that hell with him no matter what the environment Yes. So go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yes. Because I had had abortions as a teenager and young woman, and that was 20 years maybe prior to my getting pregnant with the child that I kept, you know, I think I carried that guilt all those years and felt bad about myself. Oh, and how this relates to Christine was I killed those babies. Yes. Just like she being the Asian who killed those white children. Yes. You know, I killed those babies, and so, you know, the father of my baby was my punishment, and I deserved deserved it. That's right, and there's something else, and I hate to say this, but I feel that it's true, and so I must. Um, I think that you let your baby punish you. Oh, definitely. Okay. That's not news. You've told me that. (laughs) I know, but but you but I just connected the dots. Yeah, she, yeah. She was punishing you for all the children, the babies that, that I killed. That you killed. Yeah, yes. very good, very good. Thank ah, you. Okay, we have a caller. Um, we don't have a lot of time before our next break, but our next caller is Elizabeth. Elizabeth, and I have more yeah. for you, James, but I'm just not there yet. I haven't. It just hasn't come to me yet. Yes, Elizabeth, welcome to Inside Hi. Out. Hi. Thank you. Um, so I experienced a marriage where I stayed in way too long and didn't see that I was being abused. So I think it took me a long time to leave because I didn't see it. And then I just felt too scared and alone to leave. Um, Um, that does not feel exactly true. I I think you knew you were being abused. Hmm. I don't think I wanted to admit it to myself. Yeah, and why is that? 
Well, probably because, um, you know, how I might, oh, I don't want to see you. I didn't want to admit how stupid I was. Exactly. I was going to ask you, did your mother approve of this relationship? No. Okay. Well, that's reason enough to stay in it, don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how can you tell your mother, admit to your mother, that's where ego comes into play again. Her now, Helen's example was, you know, her ego was beating her up for the desperation that she had felt as a teenager where she really wasn't ready to take on the responsibility of children and she had had abortions and she had not come through the healing and the self-acceptance around that so the ego beat her up. But here you were, Elizabeth, and you uh, you picked a man that your mother did not approve of and your ego said, What? Well, you have to prove that it's going to work because she didn't approve of it. Yes, but it's, now take that one step further and say, I did something that my mother told me I shouldn't do. I'm a stupid jerk, and therefore I should take the consequences. See, you're a perfect segue from Helen. Mm. So those two pieces, do you understand, they reinforce each other. One is I don't want to admit to my mother that she was right because I did this stupid thing and I have to prove that you know I should be in here. But the other is I deserve to be treated badly because I did something that I know I shouldn't have done. I should have listened to my mother. And if you go deeper into that, and we just have a couple of minutes, let's see if we can take one step deeper into that. So... If you go deeper into that, why should you be punished for not listening to your mother, Elizabeth? Hmm. Why should I be punished for not listening to my mother? Yes. Wow. Well, I mean, no. It would seem more complicated than this, but, you know, mothers know best, and if I don't listen to her, then I need to punish myself. Well, it is, there's there's something else. (laughs) I I can just feel it. I don't know what it is yet, but I can feel it. Why should you be punished for not listening to your mother? You know, we're going to go to commercial break, and I want you to meditate on that question, so hang on the line. (sighs) Okay, and thank you. don't go away. And now we're going to go to commercial break. But don't go away, audience. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. 
Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to Inside Out. Uh, I think that Madame Mazurka is jumping up and down uh, again. So if you just tuned in, Madame Mazurka is one of my personas who kind of just comes through and she's fun. She's a dead Transylvanian. And so um, a little, I guess you're back, you're back on the line, correct? Yes, I'm here. Okay. So Elizabeth, what is it that you're, that you did that you didn't listen to your mother. What was the real big thing you did that you didn't listen to your mother? Well, uh, it wasn't, so are you saying it was different than I married a man she didn't oh, no, this is way before this. Uh, way I'm going to tell, Madame Mazurka is going to give the answer because otherwise it, we're going to go over time. And they don't sure. let you do that at the, the radio. You can't go on. <laughs> like, so it says you were born. That was your mistake and you should be punished. You didn't listen to your mother who said, I don't need another child. So, okay, so take a deep breath. And so I want, I want you to feel, I can see that you're obviously feeling this. So yep. uh, I'm going to tell you that I bet you that at least 25% of our audience out there has had that experience. They were children who were either not wanted or the, the parents were ambivalent about them. You know, for innocent situations, people who don't feel like they're ready or they already have too many children or the mother is ill or they're worried about money, have that feeling. And there is a sense that they've done something wrong that they can that could and should be punished for forever. So anyone who's ever had that feeling about themselves, let's join in with Elizabeth and feel... Um, so let's look inside ourselves and say, James, James, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me okay? Yes. I just had a flash. This yes. is you. This is you. Okay. This is you too. That yeah. you felt for some reason that you should not have come and that you were hurting the people, um, you know, your parents, and yeah, I felt like a, I felt like a, yeah, I felt like a burden. Yes, my, my teenage mother was already overwhelmed by the first child she had. I was the second. Yes, and so I felt a, I felt a burden from the very beginning. Yes, yes, 
So for those of you, you see here we have two out of four right here. Um, mm-hmm. So for those of you out there who have ever had that experience or think you might, come with us on this journey of self-healing. Because if we feel that way about ourselves, then our inner being will always be hell. Because we'll always be attacking ourselves for our very existence. And we will never allow our weaknesses to be there. See, if, you're, if you feel okay about existing, you also feel okay about having weaknesses, having problems. Because they all come with being a baby, with being a human being. But if you feel that you should not exist, then any flaw in you becomes a source to beat yourself up for, do you see? And so then there's this constant self-abuse that goes on that can make the most beautiful life into hell. And so what we're going to do now is affirm something, which is that we are meant to exist. So I'd like all of us, because all of us have had moments of like that because I'm sure that all of us have parents who wish that we were dead one moment or another, even if it was just in passing, like, oh my God, I can't I can't do it. I can't get up at three o'clock in the morning one more time, you know. So those we pick up on those feelings. So we've all felt like burdens, uh, but it's just for some of us it was way more extreme than others. Uh, interestingly enough, Elizabeth represents one end of the spectrum. We've come to know Elizabeth on our show, by the way. And some of you she asked a she asked a great question, I think it was last week also that really Helped. Yes, you were the one who brought the whole entitlement conversation up, I think. So hmm. you're doing a great service to us all. So Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth was the, the last of nine children, I think. And James yeah. was the second of yes. uh, four. Se- second of four. But you see, here it is. You know, one is an older mother is all beat up and tired out. And the other is a young mother who's, in, who's overwhelmed. See, yeah. it can happen in so many different ways. And I want each one of us, and Helen, you can always throw yourself into that pot too, and I will also, um, to feel, go deep inside ourselves. And each one of us needs to go deep inside ourselves and feel ourselves being conceived and see the situation that our parents And if we go deep, deep into those situations of our parents, we'll see whatever pain they're in. You know, the dad was an alcoholic or the mother wasn't ready or uh, there wasn't enough money or whatever it is. And see them and feel ourselves distinct from them, separate from them in this moment that differentiated, as we call it in our Living with Reality program, that we are differentiated from our parents, that we have an existence that has nothing to do with them. Take a breath and look up. Actually, let your eyes go up and look up to the heavens. However you see that, whether you just see it, it's the universe, you see it as God, whatever you think it is that has given you birth is fine. And know that you were not created by your parents although they facilitated your creation, but no human being could have created you. And feel that you're just right now being imbued 
with the divine energy that's bringing you to the earth. And I, again, when I say divine energy, I don't necessarily mean that you have to believe in God, but just that cosmic force that brings you to the earth and feel yourself growing through that nine months in the womb and feel yourself being born on the other side. And that whole time, even though, of course, you were attached to your mother just biologically through the umbilical cord, but in this moment, I'd like you to focus on that it is the universe that is supporting you. The wonder is that while it's your mother's body that supports you, she doesn't have to go and feed you and change your diapers. Uh, You know, that's all being taken care of by your mother's body. It's like your mother is the representation of the universe, of the universe supporting you. And as you feel that, you understand that you're not a creation of your parents and you don't need their permission to exist. And see yourself getting born. And now feel you floating out of the womb into a world that's waiting for you. And it's not your your father. It's the whole universe that's waiting for you. And look at your mother and father with compassion and love for everything that they are going to do and that they already have done that has ensured your survival. But realize in this moment for the very first time that survival does not depend on them, that they are a part of a vast universe that has given birth to you because it's meant to be. And relax. And as we're doing that, Helen, I want you to think of the uh, the embryos, the babies that you aborted, because you're not yes. the only woman. And raise your hand, you know, with your fingers up, extending your hand forward, and feel yourself distinguishing yourself, differentiating from those babies. That you are only one part of what caused them to not come into existence. That their death was not only dependent on you. So you begin to feel that distinction between your existence and theirs. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. And send them peace and blessings for their journey because they are their own beings on their own journey part of and supported by the universe and their destiny is no longer entirely in your hands I understand, thank you you're welcome Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. You're very welcome.
Thank you, Beth. Well, thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. We are already very soon will be coming to a close on this program and we have just begun to talk mm-hmm. about this topic but what I feel is already coming out is that the heaven or hell that we're in depends of course first of all on our inner state second of all on our inner state and third of all on our, and what is that state can attack and make us miserable when we are alone or when we're with others. Or it can compel us to live with people who are not right for us and we're not right for them. Or in our inner state can keep us in relationships that have long proven that they're wrong. And that our inner state also causes us to be so shame-based that we often will not listen to the reasonable feedback from the people we live with who are sharing with us things about ourselves that are creating tension in our households. And so what is getting in the way of the creation of a haven in our homes is our inner state, and that's very wrapped up with our egos, all the judgments that we've made, all the beliefs and the contracts that we've made. But I'd like to stay with this thought. And so I'd like to leave our listeners with a question that they can think about is, are you taking care of your home? If you are disregarding your home and it's uh, disgusting and there's cockroaches running around or because it's dirty or it's not in order or there's no harmony, either on the physical plane or the emotional or spiritual plane, you can ask yourself, What is it in your inner state that's blocking you from getting nurtured? And everyone who is called in, I'd like you to feel yourselves being nurtured by the beautiful homes and places that we've been in and say, I deserve this because I was meant to be. So let's say that together. I deserve this because I was was meant to be. be. Okay. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. We can please hang up now. And... um, Helen, would you like to talk about what's coming up next week? Yes, indeed. Next week, we'll be talking about ambition, friend or foe. Of course, we know that there are all kinds of opinions about ambitions. We're all full of those opinions. We often think a a man is undesirable if he doesn't have enough of it, or that a woman is unfeminine if she has it at all. (laughs) So we have to ask ourselves, you know, is ambition good or bad? You know, are you ambitious? Do you like it or do you feel embarrassed by it? Is it okay at work but it's not okay at home to be ambitious? Is it okay in the work world but it's not okay in the spiritual world? So next week we're going to get real. What is ambition? How can we change our relationship to it so it supports rather than drives us. And I know that our listeners will know what that means to be driven by ambition or to be supported by it to help us move forward but not really dominated by it. How do we get some of it when we need it? (laughs) Call and write your questions. Share your stories. Beth will bring her intuition as always and maybe the guru or Madame Mazurka will show up, who knows, and help us work through yet another provocative topic. And next week, you will have the pleasure of having James return as your co-host. 
and thank you for giving me the opportunity to be part of the show for three weeks. I loved it. I loved it too, Helen. And you just keep calling in because we'd love to have you as part of Inside Out. And thank you all to our audience and listeners for continuing to be willing to go Inside Out with us to take a look at old topics in a fresh way. Until then, this is Beth Green. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.